So today's inshallah khatra is more educational. And it is from the perspective of salat. And the reason why I'm doing this is because I've heard at times people having a, role, a lot of misconception, misunderstandings when it comes to salat. And the aspect of salat that I want to really highlight today is the history and the evolution of salat. Because salat, the way we pray today, did not exist from day one of Islam. It never existed from day one when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent the wahi to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So I want to clarify this that we all know that before the 10th year of prophethood, so the 10th or 11th year of prophethood when Isra wal Mi'raj took place, that was the time when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was given the five times daily prayers. However, after that point, there is not a lot of ambiguity. But before that, there is some ambiguity and there is some difference of opinion amongst the ulama. So let me, let me quickly explain. Before the Prophet Allah, before this time came, there are some opinions that when the very first wahi came to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Jibreel Alaihi Wasallam taught Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam the method of purification. Along with that, he actually taught Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam salat. So there is an ayah in the Quran that we find that Fasbir inna wa'adallahi haqqun, that be patient, Allah's promise is the absolute truth. And glorify Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala day and night. So some of the ulama, they say that based on this ayah, initially the only salat that existed was there was one salat in the morning and one salat in the evening. And nonetheless, there was a purification process that was taught by Jibreel alayhi salam to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He also came to his home when Khadija radiallahu anha, of course, at that time was alive. He taught his wife how to perform this wudu or this ablution or this method of purification. And then after that, taught him salat. And we also find in some books of sirah that in the early days, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, because... He did not want everyone to know about what the, the Islam that he was following. He would go out and he would begin to pray Salat on his own. And this is why if you know your history in your seerah, the Prophet Ali radiallahu anhu was only 10 years old when the Prophet received wahi. And it was also a known fact in the seerah that because Abu Talib was, you know, he was not very well to do financially. Many of his kids were being taken care of and looked after other people. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam being the fact that he was raised in the house of Abu Talib, he was there for so many years as a way to be appreciative towards Abu Talib. That is why he actually committed to taking care of Ali radiallahu anhu. So now that Ali radiallahu anhu is 10 years old, he's still only a kid when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi received wahi. After that, whenever the Prophet ﷺ would go anywhere and he would pray in seclusion, he would take Ali to tag along with him and they would pray Salat. Now, there are some ulama, they say that, no, this happened a little later, so there is some ikhtilaf in that. Then we also know that when Surah Al-Muzzammil was revealed, Allah says, Ya ayyuhal Muzzammil, qumil layla illa qalila, stand up at night. And stand up for the majority of the night. Then he says, Nisfahu awin qusminhu qalila. Send either half of the night or less than that, but nonetheless stand up at night and dedicate yourself to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The ulama they say that because Allah used a verb of command in this verse of the Quran, in the second verse, in the third verse of Surah Muzammil, Allah, subha Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala basically is making qiyamul layl, fard upon the Muslims at that time. So some of the ulama, they say that the Prophet ﷺ was praying one morning prayer, 
one evening prayer, and then a night Qiyamul Layl was mandatory. Now, how long was that mandatory? According to many ulama, this Qiyamul Layl was mandatory for one year. At the end of Surah Muzammil, Allah says, "Inna Rabbaka ya'lamu annaka taqoomu adana min thuluthay al-layl wa nisfahu wa thuluthahu wa ta'ifatum yaladina ma'ak." Basically, this verse came was revealed. Um, to, by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the Prophet and this basically abrogated, as many ulama believe, this abrogated the hukum that it is mandatory to pray Qiyamul Layl. Meaning that the, uh, the mandatory hukum is no longer there and now it is optional. But after this point onward, it was a common practice of Rasulullah that he would pray Qiyam every single night. Never did the Prophet he would leave Qiyam. In fact, this was a practice of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. This was a practice of the Tabi'een, the Tabi'een. Tabi and by the way, if you study Qiyamul Layl, the virtues of Qiyamul Layl, and what the ulama have said, if you truly want to connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, all those who are considered as the awliya of Allah, those who are close to Allah, one thing you'll notice in their life, they never ever left out Qiyamul Layl. And in particular, it was Tahajjud. There's a difference between Qiyamul Layl and Tahajjud. Qiyamul Layl is often the one that you pray before you go to sleep. Tahajjud is when you wake up in the middle of the night and you pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So nonetheless, uh, this Qiyamul Layl was further upon the Muslims for one year. After that, it became optional. But nonetheless, the Muslims were praying. Now, during this entire time, all these years, while the Muslims were in Mecca, they were praying towards Jerusalem. They were praying towards Jerusalem. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the way he would pray towards Jerusalem was that he would stand at an angle in front of the Kaaba so that he can face Jerusalem, but the Kaaba comes right in front of him. So he had this love for the Kaaba. So he wanted to pray towards the Kaaba, but in a way also that he's praying towards Jerusalem. Now, the next one is after that, we know that the 10th year or the 11th year comes, is Al-Isra wal Mi'raj happens. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives five times daily prayers to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam comes back and he comes roughly back at the time of Fajr. Now you all know the story that when he came back, he informed everyone that last night I went from here, Mecca, to Majd Aqsa, and from there, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He called me. And that is when they said that how can a man, you know, one is that we've been trying to deal with your da'wah and so forth. Now you're claiming that last night, in one night, you travel from here all the way there because of course traveling at that time would take a long time. So they could not just really wrap their mind around the fact that the Prophet ﷺ went from Mecca to Maj Aqsa to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is why even at that time, some people who had just perhaps became Muslims, when the Quraysh approached them, that have you heard the news of your Prophet? Your Prophet is claiming that last night he did all this. And they are, and they, you know, because they are just become Muslims, even they were in the state of, you know, shock that, oh, the Prophet did this. But that is why Abu Bakr anhu's statement was so profound that he was given the laqab of as Siddiq. He said that if anyone said it, I would doubt it. But if the Prophet said it, and even if it goes against all the laws of logic, I still believe Rasulullah. And that is why he was given the laqab of as Siddiq. There is not a shred of doubt. In the words of the Prophet ﷺ, when it came to Abu Bakr an. So, it was at that time that that same day, Jibreel ﷺ comes to the Prophet ﷺ at the time of Dhuhr. And he came to the Prophet ﷺ for two consecutive days. The first day he came, he prayed Dhuhr, 
as soon as the sun moved from its uh, midday position. So he prayed Zuhur at the beginning of Zuhur time. Then he waited, and he, he waited till Asr time. And as soon as the time of Asr began, he again prayed to show Rasulullah that this is the time when the next prayer begins. Then he prayed Maghrib at the beginning of Maghrib time. He prayed Isha at the beginning of Isha time, and he prayed Fajr at the beginning of Fajr time. The next day, same, Jibreel is still coming to Prophet Now he prayed Zuhur that day at the end of Zuhur time. And he prayed Asr at the end of Asr time. And he prayed Maghrib at the end of Maghrib time. And Isha at the end of Isha time. And Fajr at the end of Fajr time. And then Jibreel says to the Prophet that these are the timings of the prayer for your Ummah. These are the timings for the prayer of your Ummah. And by the way, this is why you find that there's not a lot of, you know, there are some key, small key differences between, when it comes to Fajr. There's no difference in Dhuhr. There is a key difference when it comes to Asr that when does, or I'm sorry, when does Dhuhr come to an end? When does Asr begin? According to the three schools of thought, besides Imam Abu Hanifa, it begins, with, it begins when the shadow of everything is times one. Imam Hanifa was of the opinion that when the shadow of everything is times two, that is when Salatul Asr begins. But once again, we do find that the Prophet ﷺ, he demonstrated both of them in his life. Now, so that from that point onward, it was very clear. However, at this time, once again, they're still praying towards Jerusalem. And Salat, all the Salawat, was only just two rakahs. Fajr two, Zuhr two, Asr two, and it goes on. Every single Salat was only two rakahs. There was no differentiation between a Qasr Salat or a Musafir Salat or a Safar Salat. Both of them were the, identically the same. Now we come to Medina. And by the way, at that time also, yes, talking during Salat was fine. Not talking like, yo, what's up? Not like that, okay? It's like, if someone sneezes, Alhamdulillah, Yarhamukallah. Someone comes and says, Assalamu Alaikum, Wa Alaikum Assalam. Okay, like that. But it was permissible. Now we come to Medina phase. In Medina, this was the time when the Prophet ﷺ, he has come to Medina. And the Jews of Medina are starting to notice that, SubhanAllah, look at these Muslims. They call themselves different, but they're fasting on the same day as we fast. They're praying Salat in the direction of Jerusalem as we do too. So what's the difference between us and them? This is where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and we find this in Surah Al-Baqarah. This is why Surah Al-Baqarah is known as the development of a nation. Surah Al-Baqarah talks about the development of a nation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there are many ahkam that are mentioned in Surah Al-Baqarah that begins to show that there's a distinction between other religions, other faiths, and Islam. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He says, فَمَنْ شَهِدَ مِنْكُمُ الشَّهْرَةَ فَلْيَصُمْ before it was only fasting when? On Ashura. Then later on when the legislation of fasting came, now you have to fast in Ramadan. That's a distinction between the Muslim community and the, the Jewish community. Also, it was the wish of the Prophet ﷺ that he would pray towards Mecca and not pray towards uh, Majlis Aqsa. Now while in Mecca, he was able to stand, as I said, at an angle that he's facing both. But when you're in Medina, how do you do that? You understand? There's no way you can do that. So now, it was his desire, and he would always, is mentioned in the hadith, that he would always look up, waiting for a wahi to come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Lo and behold, 18 months later, some say 17, some say 18, but the hukm of the qibla change comes upon Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and the qibla is changed. And why this is very important and very profound, think about it. Whenever you talk about a development of a new nation, imagine there's a war that takes place, there's a new nation that is created. The very first thing they decide 
about that new nation is, one of the very first things they, they discuss is, what's the capital of this nation, right? Yes or no? What's the capital of this nation? When you're talking about, you know, the distinction of Islam, when you're talking about, um, the, when you're talking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now sending the ahkam of salat and, and now this ummah is getting developed, the very first thing is that they need their capital. They need their what? Their capital. And now, hence, from this point onward, their capital is what? Mecca. You understand? That's why for the entire Muslim world, what's our capital in one way? It's Mecca, right? That's where we all go to. This is, this is when we talk about Umrah, Hajj, we always go there. So this is why this Qibla changed 17 months later or 18 months later. In addition to that, in the same second year, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala changed the structure of Salat going from two rakahs to four rakahs. So Fajr remained two, Dhuhr became four, Asr became four, Isha became four. And this also legislation took place the same year that this is for those who are not traveling. As for those who are traveling, they can still pray a Qasr Salat and it will remain two. Of course, Maghrib remains three, of course. And then it was that same year that talking was banned and prohibited in the Salat. So no longer can you, you know, respond to people and so forth. And this is why a Sahabi came inside the Masjid. He, he said, Salaamu Alaikum. No one responded. He actually thought Rasulullah is upset with him because of the fact that he did not respond. Later on, Rasulullah called him, informed him that... The, there's a hukum that has been changed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and now we are no longer talking in the salat. So the qibla changed that same year, the raka'at changed that same year, talking was banned that same year, and the, the salat that they were praying now till today it is that same salat that we are praying. Now the reason once again I just want to go through this is because this is educational for us and there are many things part of history like that, like even if you study the history of the Kaaba, the Kaaba went through many, many changes and so forth, but this is something good for all of us to know about the history of our Salat, the history of our deen and so forth. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us tawfiq, to be inspired by our history and to learn more and more. Ameen Rabbil Alameen. Wa jazakumullah khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. إِنَّ الْمُسْلِمِينَ وَالْمُسْلِمَاتِ وَالْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتِ وَالْقَانِتِينَ وَالْقَانِتَاتِ وَالصَّادِقِينَ وَالصَّادِقَاتِ وَالصَّابِرِينَ وَالصَّابِرَاتِ وَالْخَاشِعِينَ وَالْخَاشِعَاتِ وَالْخَاشِعِينَ وَالْخَاشِعَاتِ وَالْمُتَصَدِّقِينَ وَالْمُتَصَدِّقَاتِ وَالصَّائِمِينَ وَالصَّائِمَاتِ وَالْحَافِظِينَ فُرُوجَهُمْ وَالْحَافِظَاتِ وَالذَّاكِرِينَ اللَّهَ كَثِيرًا وَالذَّاكِرَاتِ أَعَدَّ اللَّهُ لَهُمْ مغفرة وأجرا عظيما